we have this familiar phrase that says, if life gives you lemons, make lemonade. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. And that is such like a cheesy, worldly self-help book. I just feels weird. And so I thought, I'll go ahead and preach on that, because that's cheesy and corny. Uh, no, I'm not, I'm, this is not going to be a, a, a Tony Robbins kind of help yourself type of thing. In fact, me and my family are a bigger fan of Tony's brother, Baskin. Uh, but we are gonna we're gonna talk about when life gives you lemons. And uh, in in this uh, in the research I did this week for when life gives you lemons, uh, I went to the internet. Have you guys heard about this? Yeah. This internet? They got a lot of stuff on this internet. It's all over the place. And uh, on the interwebs, I was able to find a few different quotes. So instead of saying when life gives you lemons, make lemonade, I picked the top four when life gives you lemons, and then they finished it differently. Um, I only have four because the other 164 all had swear words in them, if you can believe that. <laughs> mm, it's not true. I just picked the best four. So when life gives you lemons, instead of saying make lemonade, take a look at this. When life gives you lemons, you tell life to get a life. Because lemons are a terrible gift. That's pretty simple, really. All right, next one, number two. When life gives you lemons, forget the lemonade, make a lemon chicken and a rich lemon cheesecake. Blame life for the extra pounds. <laughs> now that's more Acts Church's speed right there. Yeah. Uh, next one, when life gives you lemons, order a lobster tail. That's, that's good. Get Pastor David to pay for it. Finally, our number four, the best one. When life gives you lemons, don't make lemonade. Make life take the lemons back. Get mad. I don't want your lemons. What am I supposed to do with these? Demand to see life's manager. <laughs> Unfortunately, that might also be more Acts Church's style. I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully we're not all asking for the manager all the time. Uh, when life gives you lemons, it, it's tough. It is tough when life throws the, the difficult things at you. Um, the good news I will tell you is this life here on this earth is temporary. This is not a permanent residence. As the old song says, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And when I get to where I'm going, my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And we're going to be up in heaven one day. But we're not there yet. And in these days, in these minutes, in these seconds, in these hours, we experience lemons. And they're not always fun. Uh, and, and that is just the nature of a broken fallen world. It is where we are. I have one more story to tell you. This is not a true story. Um, I should be able to tell that right away, but my brother really likes me to make sure I tell you when I tell a story that it's not real, because sometimes I tell him about him, and then he gets really offended. He's like, that, that never happened. I was like, it's a story. <laughs> but you should be able to tell right away this is not a real story, because it's a story about three different fruits and vegetables. We have a pea, we have an apple, and we have a lemon that go to the carnival. A pea, an apple, and a lemon go to the carnival. Okay? And they, after eating far too much carnival food, elephant ears and corn on the cob and everything else, decide they want to get on the tilt-a-whirl. You guys been on the tilt-a-whirl before? No. Okay. So they decide they're going to get on the tilt-a-whirl, the pea, the apple, and the lemon. And so they get in there, they get strapped down. Now, the pea, being light and small, is able to get strapped down in his seatbelt, and as the thing goes around, he's just fine. You know, he's just kind of staying stationary the entire time. Feels great. The apple, being a little more solid and perfectly round, uh, doesn't really have a big problem. Uh, goes through the tilt-a-whirl and is fine. But the lemon, the lemon being like oblong and weird and not able, he's getting bounced around this tilt-a-whirl the whole time, right? Full of all that carnival food. And, and so finally they get off 
this ride, you know, and the lemon's just stumbling out, you know. And the pea says, let's do it again. And the apple says, easy peasy, lemon's queasy. <laughs> it's just bad. And now... <laughs> And now we're going to need to pray for forgiveness for that joke. Um, no, but, but, but before we get into, into today's word, is the actual word, those, those were fun jokes, but we're actually going to talk. Before we do that, um, we're going to set up this lemonade stand. But while we do that, we are going to have just a quick word of prayer. I need to recover from worship. It was so good. So good. And, uh, and so let's just have a quick word of prayer as they set this up. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the gift of your word and uh, the gift you give us of when we come into your presence, it just seems like everything else in this world just melts away. And I know that is, we know that is your design. That is how you've built us to keep our eyes firmly focused upon you. That even as we go into this world that has fallen and broken, we can keep our eyes focused upon you, who gives us strength, who puts us on the solid rock. Lord, I thank you for each and every single person who has been drawn here this morning, both in this room and online, that have been able to just be a part of this service today, that we get to talk about something that affects each and every one of us every single day, which is the barbs of the evil one who wants to take us down. And instead, you've given us hope, and you've given us a future, and we're grateful for it. Father, we love bad jokes, and we love good jokes. We pray that you would give us more good ones than bad ones for the rest of this sermon. We love you, Lord. We thank you for each and every person. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Ta-da! Uh, if you were here on Wednesday, then you probably helped us create this little monstrosity here, um, and it's pretty awesome. It is only by the help of the people in the church that the church exists. Let me just tell you that right now. You want to make lemonade out of lemons? Get some friends. Come to church. Get, get involved. Come paint a, a lemonade sign. I, this is just, right? This is pretty good. I mean, honestly, if I was going to make that, yeah, if I was trying to make that, you would not be able to read it at all first of all. If you could read it, you'd think it said something else, probably a swear word, just because that's what you guys assume of me, is that I'm always telling bad jokes and telling swear words. <laughs> but we are going to talk about, that's funny that this ended up up here. This is not going to be used for making, uh, <laughs> although I did leave it over there. It's my fault. It's my bad. It's my bad. It's my bad. <laughs> so I want to tell you a couple stories here um, about turning lemon into lemonade and, and, uh, in this particular story, this is a real story, okay? And yes, Pastor David shows up in it, so watch out. This one is for real. Um, and this is a story of when we were younger. It wasn't that long ago. Don't look at me like that. When we were younger, uh, we lived in California, and uh, we were having a Wednesday night service, or maybe it was a Sunday night service. It was a nighttime service. Okay? And the nighttime service was over, and I don't know if you guys went to church in the 80s, but basically here's how we used to do it. We'd have church... We'd have a little children's church going on. The church would get over. All the parents would go talk to each other and just ignore the children. The children just go do whatever. I mean, they could be halfway down the street. It wouldn't matter. We don't care. Then they just yell, Johnny, it's time to go, and all the kids just show up at the car. I have no idea what happened in between when it was over and that, but I'll tell you a little secret. This is what happened. My brother and I and the other kids are all messing around. You may not know this, but uh, David's older than I am, so much older than I am, actually. 
really old. Um, he's older than I am, which, which at this age, about when I'm about eight years old and him about 11 years old, he's also much larger than me. Also still true. <laughs> Can we edit that out? Can we just, okay. I'm sure he's watching right now, just upset. Oh, boy. Uh, so he's, he's bigger than me. And, and we kind of get into um, some aggressive negotiations. Let's put it that way. Yeah? Some aggressive negotiations. And, uh, and we're kind of arguing with each other. And I've got my pew Bible with me. If you guys remember the old school pew Bibles, the hardbound ones, you know what I'm talking about? They're, they're hard. You can knock your head with it. Clock, clock, clock. I've got one of those in my hand. And, uh, and David's trying to grab me or whatever he's trying to do. And he ends up just really barely doing anything, but he kind of scratches my forearm like that. He just kind of scratches it as I'm trying to get away from him, right? Because I don't know if he was trying to tackle me or what he's trying to do, but I kind of get away from him. He scratches my arm. Right? And so I turn around, so angry, so angry. And the only tool that I have is this hardbound Bible. So I just spit on him, and as hard as I can, just chuck it right at his face. What, what, what would you do? <laughs> And this thing goes end over end, and perf I mean, just perfection cracks him right in the nose. Just bang, blood. <laughs> now I'm scared. <laughs> and so we run back over to my parents, um, and this is the best part about this story. Let's talk about making lemons into lemonade. Uh, when we get back to my parents, my brother is just bleeding profusely from the nose, and I'm crying because I'm scared, right? And my mom says to my brother, to David, she says, what did you do to him? Uh, <laughs> David would tell you that his, his nose still isn't quite right, which is ironic because I'm the one that ended up with the nose, you know. Um, but he, he, he'd still say it's not quite right. It's, it's, you know, it was this terrible experience in his life. However... That lemon that was thrown at David and I when we were kids, this is not the first time that story has been told here at Acts Church. David has told that story, and now I've told that story. That's two Silverman illustrations. Lemons equal lemonade. See what we did? God used those stories to tell a different story. Something happens when you're younger. It seems like it's the end of the world. Then it shows up in sermons. Uh, this is also a problem for pastor's children. Pastor's child. Uh, is that they do something dumb, boom, don't come to church on Sunday because it's coming up. <laughs> I try not to do that to my own children, but I'm about to. <laughs> Story number two. Story number two. Growing up as a pastor's child, um, we were always at church, of course, anytime the doors were open. We lived on the church property until I was uh, in high school. So whenever there's something going on at the church, I'm there. And uh, the church is, as it should be, a welcoming place with all types of different people that come. And when I was younger, I noticed that almost immediately, um, when we would have someone who came with special needs, they would always be kind of drawn to me. And so it was like, Daniel, go play with this person. Daniel. Now, you, you may think I'm being weird for saying this, but uh, my daughter has special needs. And so um, I just want you to finish the story there before I make anyone offended. Uh, special needs was a part of my life growing up. And when I was 12, 13, 14, um, I was always very kind. You know, of course, you know, this, this, this girl is, is really likes me. Okay, that's fine. We can play. We can do whatever. I had no problem with it. But when I'd get home, I would go to my mom and I'd say, Why? How come all the special kids are always coming after me? You know, I don't, I don't want to do that all the time. And she goes, you know, just love on people. You know, and I learned that at a very young age. Wondered forever, why, Lord, did you, did you do this to me? For years, 
for years. It, it's, it, I, I didn't treat them any differently than I would treat anybody else. I loved them, and that's why they were drawn to me. That's the short answer. Um, but at night, you know, I, I regret to tell you that I didn't like it. You know, I was like, I have to deal with this tomorrow. Ugh. And I just dreaded it. I was like, why, Lord? Why, Lord, why? Have you done this to me? And then when I turned uh, 18, 19, and, and I got married when, we were 20, when I was 21, we gave birth to Emily, and about six months after she was born, we realized something wasn't quite right, and uh, we took her in, and we found out that Emily has a pretty severe uh, special need, a brain abnormality that causes a lot of different problems in her life, including seizures, failure to thrive, many times in the hospital, um, just, just a long life uh, to this day where we, where we take care of Emily. And then I go, Lord, you knew what you were doing back then, didn't you? You were training me on how to deal with this. Uh, and now I try not to have too much judgment, but the neighborhood kids that, that are willing to play with Emily, I'm always like, thank you so much. Here's $5. You know, I just <laughs> think it's so great uh, that other people are not kind of pressed away from her because I know that although I didn't do that, I wanted to. There was temptation. Uh, this lemon that they got had given me, I was having a really hard time making lemonade out of. And then later on, oh, I get it now. You see, God's ways are higher than our ways. Yeah. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Why is it our, always our, our instinct, our, our initial instinct to say, Lord, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me, Lord? In fact, what we're really saying is, Lord, let go of the wheel. I want to drive. Just let me drive, Lord. And God's like, you don't know where we're going. Doesn't matter. I don't like the way you drive. <laughs> it's also how I talk to my wife when she's driving. Um, <laughs> doesn't matter if we know where we're going. I just don't like the way you drive. Uh, we, we do. We want to take control from God uh, because we're tired of the lemons. We're tired of the lemons. And God's saying, trust me. Hear me, the lemons are for your benefit. This thing that seems bad is going to be good. You just got to hold on. Because remember, we don't live here. We might be here right now, but here for the however many years you live on this earth is nothing compared to eternity. James says this life is but a mist. Just, it's here and it's gone. It's a vapor. That's how long this is. It seems like forever, but it's not. Sometimes it seems like forever when David's preaching. I can just go all day on this. He's not here. Seems like forever, but it's not. It's very, very short. And so the scripture has given us lots of indications of kind of how to look at this when we feel like lemons, when we feel like we're just under a mountain of lemons. How should we think? How should we feel? Luckily, God's given us this great tool called the Word of God, called the Bible, and it's going to help us learn how to deal with these things. So we're going to start this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul is writing uh, to, the, to the church in Corinth, and uh, he says this. He says, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent, let me just tell you, he's talking about your body, okay? This house, this tent, this, this, uh, is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. This is the promise we have as every Christian that walks this earth, right? Here's the good news. You don't have to take this body with you. I know you screwed it up. It's all right. You're going to get a new one. And this one ain't going to be made from the fallen world, but instead it'll be made in the earthly realms, right? We're going to have a good body. Now ask me, will we recognize each other when we get to heaven? If we all have new bodies, we're going to recognize each other? 
Yes, we will. Okay, that's your answer. Yes, we will. All right, so we got this, this new body coming. That's the promise we have. For in this, okay, as we know, we're going to lose this body. We're going to get something. In this, we groan. Well, there's a word for you. We groan. We groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. I don't want this body. I want the good one. I want the one that can dunk, right? I want the good one. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. When we die, okay, when this earthly body, this mortal shell is, 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 is dismissed, we don't disappear. We end up with him. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So what do we do in this broken world, in this broken body? We say, take me now. <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want this. You keep throwing lemons at me. I don't even, this isn't even a permanent thing here. Let me have, let me have the eternal. And God says, how about I drive and you shut up? <laughs> how about you understand that I put these things in your life so that it can grow up and turn into something else and therefore others might be saved? The Bible says that God is long-suffering. That means patient. Long-suffering, patient, that not one would be lost. God's goal is that not one person would be lost, but instead everyone would come to know Christ. And that means we're going to need some of you to stick around. That when the world is throwing lemons at us, we're going to have to stick around for a minute, make some lemonade, and show these people exactly what it is to be called a child of God. And we don't have a lot of time just as long as we're in these earthly tents. That's how long we have. In Romans chapter 8, it says this. It says, for, we, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Man, take that one home with you. I'm complaining about the suffering I had when I was 8, 9, 10 years old and the special needs kids were bothering me. Do you have any idea the glory that is coming? And you're complaining about, about this? Forevermore we shall be in the presence of God and sing his praises and walk the streets of gold with no more crying and no more pain and no more sorrow. He will wipe away every tear forever. And you're upset because you're going through a season? Now, I understand you are going through that season. You are going to experience these things. Lemons, they're coming. We're going to have them. What are you going to do with them? What are we going to do with the lemons that come at us because of this broken and fallen world? Later on in Romans, Paul says this. He says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. The Spirit helps in our weakness. How do we get through these terrible times, these seasons, these things? The Spirit. What separates you from someone who's not a follower of Christ? When they go through this season, they don't have the Spirit. You do. It should look different. People should look at us and go, what is, how, huh? If I was going through that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do it. Well, let me tell you about the, the saving grace of Jesus Christ, who upon salvation, the Spirit enters our life. Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness. We do not know what we should pray for our, as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with, well, here comes that word again, with groanings, which cannot even be uttered. Now, he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. 
And we know that all things work together for God, for good, for those who love God, and to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. This is heavy. You thought this was going to be some kind of light sermon about lemons and lemonade? This is heavy stuff. It says, you're right. When, when life gives you lemons, you're stuck. When life gives you lemons, you got no solution. This world is broken, and it will break you. But here is the promise. I will send my spirit, and my spirit will live within you, and it will begin to change you from the inside out. And things and desires of your heart that you thought were true and great and noble, turns out your heart is desperately wicked. Turns out you don't know what you want. Lord, let me drive. No! You don't know where we're going. I'll go ahead and drive, and I'll, I'll buy, you buy the snacks. You run the radio, okay? I'm going to drive. We have this gift of the Spirit. The Spirit is the difference. How do we make lemonade out of lemons? Because we have the Spirit. The Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Do you know that there are times that you pray to God and that the Spirit is just translating for you because you're probably saying something you shouldn't be saying to God? Ever prayed this one? Lord, I'm going to buy this lottery ticket. Just let me win. Hmm? <laughs> you guys did that. Or, or, or you can start bargaining with God. Lord, let me win the lottery. I promise to give you half. It's a good deal. Come on, Lord. Come on. I'll give you half. I got to pay my taxes first, then whatever's left, that half. We start to not even know what we're doing. Can we accept that we don't know what we're doing? Can we accept that it's going to take the intercession of the Spirit to change who we are, to change how we behave and how we believe? That we can start to be different than we were yesterday or five minutes ago because of the way that God is working in our life? But in order to do that, we have to say, Lord, I surrender. Show me your path. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That means when you're brushing your teeth, when you're taking a shower, hopefully some of you take showers, um, when you're doing whatever it is you're doing, we're acknowledging him. Lord, show me how to do this today. This past week, uh, my son took his final test uh, for traffic safety. He was a little nervous, so we did some practice before we got there, and it just wasn't going well. The anxiety was high. Right? The anxiety was high and wasn't going well, so we kind of moved to a different neighborhood, did some more, did some more driving. And finally, we got to the, uh, to the place where he's going to take his test, and we just stopped right there, and we prayed. And I said, Lord, be with Seth right now as he takes this test. Let, let the anxiety fall away. Let you be the leader. Let just you take over, Lord. Not about us, because we know how we feel. We feel like lemons. Lord, I'll take two orders of lemonade. Right? Went in and aced his test. That's how it works. When, when, when you surrender, it seems like you take all the pressure off of what you're doing. I don't have to be in charge of this. God's in charge of this. Do I know what's going to happen tomorrow? No. That's called borrowing trouble. Worrying what's going to happen tomorrow is you get in the way of what's happening right this minute, which is God is in your life. You have the Spirit. You have Jesus Christ. You have songs you can sing, a word you can read. But instead, we get so consumed with the lemon. What am I supposed to do with this? What am I supposed to do with this? I don't know. Lord, what am I supposed to do with this? He's going to show us. Today, we're going to make some lemonade. Now, 
Lemonade is one of those things, tell me if I'm wrong here, lemonade is one of those things that really you don't want to make by hand, right? You don't really want to make lemonade by hand because it's a lot of work. And so uh, we've got, you know, a couple hours here until I'm done with this sermon. <laughs> we've got some time. Oh, boy. Uh, and, you know, the, the first thing I, I want to say is uh, I think everybody knows that there's nothing like, nothing quite like a good lemon, you know? Life gives you lemons, and so all you can wait to do is just cut one open and just, okay. <laughs> I should have tested that first. Okay, yeah, lemons aren't good. You guys are right. Lemons aren't good. Man, I can't believe I just did that for you. Uh, there's a nail in my lemonade. Don't ask me how it got there. Take that out. It's very scriptural, very biblical. Oh, yeah. And this is broken, so I can't use it. Okay. That's right, I got this here, and it's full of water. So typically the way we make lemonade is we would just take the lemons, right? And you just, you just squeeze them right in here. You just go right. <laughs> just go right in there. Ah, paper cut. Okay. Now, none of that was real. I didn't do it in my ear. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe if we're going to make lemonade, we should use the tools that God's given us. Perhaps this guy right here. And then... <laughs> All right, now we're making some lemonade. Now we're getting somewhere because we're using the tools that are given to us. You know, I looked it up, and in the Bible, it never actually mentions lemons. Did you guys know that? Lemons aren't in the Bible. There are things like fruit trees and citrus, uh, but lemons, not so much. Does it mean they didn't exist? No, I think they existed. They just didn't want to write about it in the Bible because they didn't know how to make lemonade like I do. You know what I'm saying? But if we're going to find a piece of scripture that talks about turning lemons into lemonade, we need to look no further than my friend James. And in James chapter 1, he teaches us just a little bit about turning lemons into lemonade. And he starts with what I consider to be the best and worst scripture to tell somebody when life gives them a lemon. Okay? So you got someone that comes to me and says, my, my dad is sick. He's got cancer. Here's James's advice, okay? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Thanks, James. I just told you I have a lemon, something really bad that's going on right now, and your answer is, count it all joy? You count it joy. Get out of here, James. <sighs> Luckily, James doesn't stop there. He says, count it all joy when you face various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Did you hear that word wisdom in there a second ago? That means you go to God, you say, I don't like this lemon, and you kind of have something in mind already. God, my dad has cancer, let's say. Take it away. I know what I want you to do. I'm not really leaving it to you. I'm saying, God, here's the problem. Fix it, please. That's what I'd like you to do. And if we're really nice, we say please. Most of you probably don't because you're not nice like I am. Oh, look, we're turning into lemonade. But we go there with something in mind. And so it says, if any of you lacks the wisdom, pray to God for the wisdom first. We have had, and my dad has a better story about this, but we've had people come and 
and say, uh, Pastor Dave, I need you to pray for my son that he will do this. I need you to pray for my brother, my uncle, my sister, my cousin, um, that they will fill in the blank, right? And, and my dad learned as a young pastor that uh, this isn't a grocery store, and uh, we don't go to God and tell him how to do the answers to prayer. What we do is we say, Lord, we lift up our brother or our sister. You know. We don't know. You know. And with great wisdom, we come to him and say, be there for him. Show yourself in their life. Let it, let it be a testimony. Let the doctors and the nurses see the belief that he has and be changed. Those are the types of ways we pray instead of telling God how he's going to fix our problems. Lord, fix this, please, and fix it this specific way. I don't know. I don't know. Can someone get me a cup? That's what I forgot. Patrick, thank you. Poor Patrick. All right. Uh, so it says, if you ask for wisdom, he'll give it to you without reproach. What's reproach mean? It means holding up at all. Of course I'll give you wisdom, says the Lord. I'll give you wisdom. And it'll be given to him. But let him ask in faith, without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. Thank you very much. Anyone who's coming to God and saying, Lord, I love you. You're the Lord of my life. Now do this, this very specific way. That's called being double-minded. That's saying, Lord, I'm going to drive for a minute. I know you're all-powerful, all-knowing, all-able, all-present. And therefore, because I know what toolkit you've got, just let me borrow it for a minute. I'm going I'm to fix up, fix everything up here. I know what the, you don't know. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And when we start to pretend, when we start to assume that we know more than he does, guess what happens? Here's another lemon. Better try it again. How, how do we get to where God wants us to be? It is, it is by these trials, by these tribulations. I like to say that God is, and, and us are a lot like a sculptor with a hammer and chisel. And you're a piece of stone. And he wants to make you the most beautiful sculpture that's ever lived. And you say, Lord, give me it. I want to be this masterpiece that you have in mind for me, the, the perfection of what, what you designed for my life to be. Let me have it. So God walks up with a chisel and hits it with a hammer once. Clink, and you go, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh. I really liked that piece. God says, that's not for you. And he goes and he hits it again. And he hits it again. And he hits it again. And some of us, I'm not going to name any names, but me, I just get harder. I get harder to break. Say, Lord, I don't like this. This is uncomfortable. I don't like lemons. And God says, well, I guess I'm just going to have to hit a little harder. You know what the smart play would be, what the wise play to be would be? To get softer. It doesn't hurt as bad. He doesn't hit as hard with the chisel. But instead, we tend to get harder. Or we try to grow it back. It's like, Lord, I need that gluing stuff back onto our original piece of marble there because we don't want to be changed. It's uncomfortable. Well, yeah. We broken. He's the one that fixes. When James talks about taking lemons and turning them into lemonade, this is what he's talking about. 
My friends, consider it joy, joy, joy when you face various trials. Wait, wait, be happy when I'm sad? Hold on. Be thankful when it hurts? Yeah. If you take, out, take a look at your Bible and just, I don't know, take some time and read it sometime, you'll find that almost everything God does is completely upside down from what you think it should be. Everything that God would do is pretty much the opposite of what you would do. Sorry. But what he wants for you is to become of one mind with him, to become of one mind with each other. Everybody was probably raised at some point hearing the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and earth is in heaven. We call that the Lord's Prayer. And that is when Jesus, to his disciples, taught them how to pray. We all agree on that statement? He taught them how to pray. When you enter into that closet, when you close the door, pray to the Father, our Father who art in heaven. I like to call that not the Lord's Prayer. I like to call that the Apostles' Prayer. Our prayer. He taught us how to pray. But when the Lord prayed, when the Lord was handed just a, a few of these, for instance, you're about to be arrested, crucified, murdered, betrayed, whipped and beaten. When he was in that moment, five minutes before these guards are going to come, they're on their way. It says Jesus went to this garden, he asked his disciples to stay, and he went and prayed. And what did he pray? Let them be one as we are one. And protect them from the evil one. That they might be the voice that goes out into this world. When our Lord prayed, he prayed, let them be one as we are one. And then he stepped out and got arrested. And got betrayed. And was denied. And was beaten, scorned, abused, rejected, murdered, buried. All those things. He went to willingly. He considered it joy. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Can you imagine being on a cross and feeling joy? Me neither. And I'm going to guess it wasn't on the forefront of his mind as he was being beaten and abused. But it was for the joy that came later. The joy comes in the morning. Yeah, you're going to have to deal with some lemons. But when you add the lemons in with the Spirit, how many times does water get referenced as a Spirit in the Bible? Anybody know? A lot. When the water and the Spirit become one, then we can say, God put me through this. He put me through it, but it's so I could have this delicious, wonderful, refreshing lemonade. Mm. <laughs> what did we forget? Sugar. Now, the water might represent the spirit in, uh, in the Bible. And I'm going to say that sugar, in this particular sermon illustration, sugar represents love. It's sweet. Hmm? Yeah, amen. Sugar is sweet. And when we incorporate love into this. Why? Why, Lord? Why? That's not very loving. How about, Lord, I love you. Show me the way. As you hand me these lemons, as I juice them, as I go through it, as I enter into these trials, I might actually be able to, when my mouth is parched, when I'm at the end of my rope, turn back and say, 
wow, you brought me here, and now I get to enjoy this. That's better. If you're watching online, this will not be for you, but we've actually made lemonade for all of you so that when we're done here, uh, after our final song, right out the door, there is a thing of lemonade, and we're all going to enjoy it together. Uh, I don't know what to do about the COVID thing. If you don't want it, don't drink it. Um, <laughs> go buy your own. Um, but it is, it is out there um, as a representation that maybe in the next weeks or months, um, as, it, as it's, it's pretty warm, right? Uh, it's pretty warm uh, over the summer. As you get hot and you're in the, in the uh, convenience store, you need something to drink, and there's, there's a soda, and there's some water, and there's lemonade. You go, I remember. I remember when we talked about lemons and lemonade. I remember how James told me that when I, when I go through trials to consider it joy. I remember that. And now it, it keeps me going. That's the, there's a reason that I do these weird things, folks. It's so that you'll remember it later, right? So that you'll, you'll employ it into your life later. You can skip this one and go to the final one there, Lynn. Uh, and, and here's the deal. Here's, here's the promise I'll give you. Yes, life is going to give you lemons. Yes, life is going to give you lemons. How many times should I say it? Yes, life is going to give you lemons. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Ready for Jesus to say it? In the world, you will have tribulation. You will. Anybody who wants to sell you anything else, any, any promise anyone's ever given you, oh, follow Jesus and everything's going to be great. Yeah, they're selling you something. Because this is what Jesus said in John. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation. Now watch him be just like James. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. My friends, consider it all joy when you face trials and tribulations. It's almost like these two guys knew each other, that they're speaking the same language, they're telling the same story. Yeah, in this life you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. He's overcome the world. The world, this temporary home, this non-permanent tent, this dwelling place where we don't even have to live for very long because we get to have eternity with him. I don't know about you, but that's something to celebrate. That's something to be joyful about. That's something to say, yeah, praise God for that. And then when your neighbor sees, oh, man, your car broke down, you go, yeah, but I'm getting through it. God's got me. They go, what on earth is this? If my car broke down, I'd be lost. Yeah, because you are lost. Now, let me tell you about the Spirit. Let me tell you about love. Let me tell you, I could take the same ingredients that are being put in your life in this broken, dismal world and turn them into something sweet, something I actually want, a joy, good cheer, lemonade even though this world wants to throw lemons. Those first quotes we shared this morning where people change the end, when life gives you lemons, give them back, ask for the manager. Eh, very worldly. When life gives you lemons, give them to the Lord and say, what would you like me to do with those lemons? He's going to say, oh, don't worry. My design for you is sweet. My design for you is perfection. The Bible says we are God's masterpiece 
his masterpiece. The same God that created the oceans and the mountains and the rivers, the beauty that we see in creation, that God makes himself evident over and over and over again, he also made one of you and one of me for a purpose, for something sweet, for something everlasting. When life gives us lemons, we should all make some lemonade and praise God for it every single day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the trials. We thank you for the difficulties, even though as we go through them, Lord, it's very difficult. We know that you have great things in store for us, that your design is for peace that passes understanding. That your love, your sweetness will permeate this, this broken, busted up world. As the world throws lemons, Lord, you make lemonade with your spirit and your love. Lord, help us as we go from this place that the next bad thing that happens on the way home today, that we aren't immediately knocked back into lemon world. And instead we say, oh, how do I make lemonade? How do I find you in this? Because every time we find you, Lord, there is peace. Every time we find you, there is joy, patience, understanding, self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. We love you, Lord. We're grateful. We're thankful. We praise you. Be with us this week as it gets warm, that those that, that need help would, would get help to stay cool, that our youth group would just have an amazing time uh, just learning from you as Patrick continues to lead them. But above all, Lord, that you would be glorified in our lives. It'd be all about you. You're great. You're awesome. You're wonderful. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.